0: From WNET in New York, hi, I'm Tom Stewart, and welcome to a special edition of WNET Up Next, where we take you behind the scenes for a look at what's happening in the world of public media and help you get to know the people who create our programs. Award-winning filmmaker Stanley Nelson has returned to public media with the story of a music legend, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. Recently. The American Masters documentary received a screening at New York's famed Apollo Theater, followed by a panel discussion. Led by WBGO-FM radio and NJTV personality Michael Hill, the panelists included Stanley Nelson, musicians Kayon Harold, James Imtume, Angelisha L. Rogers, and drummer and nephew of Miles Davis, Vince Wilburn. Let's hear it now. Stanley, I would say, You
1: have created a masterpiece. Thank you. And I have to ask you this film, in so many ways, is yes, it's entertaining, but it is extraordinarily educational as well about the musician, the composer, the man, the father, the husband. What did you learn in the making of this? Did you know all these things about Miles Davis?
2: No, I mean, you know, I'm a Miles fan, so I I knew a little bit about Miles. I learned so much about Miles and the music and and what drove Miles. It was a real honor to be able to make this film. You know, as a Miles Davis fan, and I understand and understood Miles' role, you know, in music and history, I just took it as a real challenge um, to try to put everything I could into this film about Miles, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do this. When did you
1: get started on this?
2: Uh, well, we finished the film actually a year ago, so the film premiered at Sundance last year, but, you know, it, it just hits the, the air on TV on February 25th, so that'll be the, the on-air broadcast premiere. So we probably finished the film, it took two and a half years, we finished a year ago, so probably we started around three, three and a half years ago. What inspired you to take on Miles Davis? I'm a jazz lover. I wanted to do a jazz film, a film about music. And, you know, who better to make a film about than Miles? You know, one, just because of the music. If there was just the music, that would be great. But because, you know, Miles is such a complicated character, you know, and and that makes for a much more complicated film because Miles was, was who he is. When we were making the film, one thing that drove us was the the idea constantly, we talked about it in the edit room, how did this guy who could be so abrasive and abusive, you know, make such beautiful, wonderful music? Uh, That was one of the real challenges in making the film.
1: Vince, what was it like to play with Miles Davis? I mean, he was known for having an unusual relationship with his audience. Tell us about that. I refer
3: to it as Miles Davis University. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. tombs you could talk about it too I mean yeah. you you know we would have a set list right but night after night it would change you know he would change s- songs in the set he would ha- call rehearsals next day and he would listen to every concert that we played and he would have us come up to his suite after the concerts mm-hmm. and then he would critique us you know and if you played good then you could stay and have a salad nichoir or something but if you sounded bad, and he'd kick you out the suite <laughs> and you'd have to work on it and he'd catch you the next day. Yeah. But he was always evolving, you know, I would always say, you know, I lived with him in Malibu. He was the first one to, to, to wake up in the morning, last one to go to sleep at night. It was always music, you know? always music. Music was first. Mm. You
1: know? How do you explain, and I this really struck me in the film, and this is for Angelisha, this is for Keon, this is for James, this is for you. It's, How do you explain that somebody goes into a recording studio, Mm -hmm. not having written any music, and you produce something like Kind of Blue? How on earth does somebody do this?
4: James? Well, before I start, I I, want to give my heartfelt thank you to the Apollo when my father Jimmy Heath died. You guys put that on the front. A lot of people don't know that relationship because of the name, but Jimmy Heath is my father. So uh, I just wanted to say that first. To address your point, it's the same way funk artists do. How how does George Clinton walk in the studio and we get, we Want the funk? Miles was in tune with the peripheral understanding of music. See, specificity is something you can get in school. Peripheral understanding you get from the heart. Mm. And, and I also reject the idea that he was that abrasive. Most people who didn't know him felt that. You can't play that warm and
5: not be that warm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keyon? Um, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here and wanna say thank you to Stanley and everybody up here. I'm really, really inspired by everything y'all doing. Mr. Intume, Vince, appreciate y'all. Basically, I'm still trying to figure it out how to go, how to go into the studio and do something like kind of blue because there's never been anything like it you know since then it's special now every time you hear it, the warmth, the heart and the brilliance, the innovation of it all is something special, and it's something that as long as I play that horn, I always aspire to get there as a musician as a as a composer, just as a, as a being, the brilliance and the beauty of the love that that emits from the record is nothing short of special. And it takes a special person to assemble that kind of a group, that kind of a cast, that he knows that, you know what, if I do this, this is going to happen. I feel like Miles is just ma- was magic like that. Yes. Angelisha?
6: Yes, just to piggyback off of what they said, you, you can't get that warmth unless you have that warmth. <laughs> it's a saying that says you can't get water out of a stone. Miles wasn't a stone, he was a water fountain.
1: Have you ever known somebody to score a movie like, Stanley showed in there, where someone is, again, no written music. You're standing there looking at the film play and you're improvising as... Vince, help, help me here.
3: L- listen, everybody.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna
3: break it down. You have to be around somebody of that magnitude, of that, that you know, that, to, to, to somebody, I, I always, I talk about this too. This man changed clothes six times a day because that's how his mind worked. It was always about the music. And all the musicians that played with him, Toombs, you can, you can uh, attest to this. Yeah. We trusted him, and he trusted us, and he felt something to each musician that he picked, handpicked, and and we just gave him our all. So that's what that's why kind of blue was kind of blue. The funk bands, the the the, the, the quintets, uh, uh, Toombs band, you know the rock, you know with Allen and those guys, we gave Uncle Miles what he asked for, yeah. and mm-hmm. then he gave it back to us. Yeah. So he, it's hard to explain. You just have to be around it. You had to to be there, be in the moment. You know, he never wanted to look back. One time, I was we were in the car, and I had the quintet on the cassette, the second quintet with Tony, Herman. and the walkmans were prevalent back in the day. And, and he asked me, to, he said, "Give me that cassette," because he didn't want me to listen to that. You know, <laughs> mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, He, right. he didn't want to. is as, as, as that was? He didn't want me to listen to the quintet because he was moving
4: forward. To add to what. Uh, Brother Vincent said, what Miles told me once was, when you cross a bridge, burn it. So you can't go back.
6: Yeah. <laughs> if
4: you ain't got no rear view mirror, you can only go forward. And that's, that sums it up. And I, I'd like to say, that I know we got a, a little bit of time. I don't want to go through a lot of words. I'm going to give you all a couple of inside Miles Davis stories. Mm. Stories are always more memorable than just regular dialogue. And, and to give you... As Vincent was saying, his mindset. I remember, and we talked about this at Lincoln Center, I began to understand the use of tension, tension within a band. We were playing in Italy. Uh, Gary Bartz was, was playing, and uh, Keith Jarrett was in the band. So during the break, Gary Bartz comes into Miles' dressing room. I'm sitting there, and Miles says, I mean, and, and, and Gary's cussing. Man, I don't, want, I don't want Keith playing behind me, man, when I'm soloing. I can't stand it. And so I'm sitting there. So Miles looks at me and then winks. He tells the, the road manager, go get Keith. He brings Keith in and says, Gary said that's the baddest he ever heard. As a matter of fact, play more. <laughs> Look, the next set was crazy, but it was some of the greatest music I've ever heard. And he looked at me and winked again at the end of the set. Like tension.
6: <laughs> <laughs> James, Stories. <laughs>
1: I know some newsrooms like that too. Um, uh, James, let me ask you this. Uh, Miles' bands were principally men. And who was the most important female artist, would you say, he worked with and had the greatest female influence on him? There was a young lady named Marilyn
3: Mazur to play percussion. She was from Copenhagen when we were in the band. I remember Marilyn. She was, you know, she was actually on the uh, um, Aura soundtrack. And Uncle Miles hired her right on the, on the spot. He would do that. You, know, you got a passport.
5: And you in the band. Mm. <laughs> let, let me add,
2: you know, one of the things, things you, you asked me when we started um, what was, what did you learn? And one of the things that we learned were how important uh, the women were that Miles was with uh, to his music. So you see Francis, you see Marguerite, others, uh, Betty Davis, these might not have been women who were in his band, but they were very, very important to Miles' music and Miles' evolution.
1: You brought up the point that he, Wanted Francis on the cover and stuff like that. That kind of influence you're talking about.
2: Well, you know, Francis tells the whole long story in the film of of, of taking him to to hear Flamingo, yeah. which then uh, right. sketches of Spain came out of. You know, Betty Davis and, and the intro took the kind of rock, which became what he did with Bitches Brew and and onward in his career. So so much of of Miles music was influenced by the women in his life. And that that was something that we didn't kind of know going in. That wasn't going to be a beat in the story, but it became a a real strong beat as we developed the story. Francis is quite a character, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Francis is incredible. Francis uh, passed (laughs) away uh, a year and a half ago, I guess it was, at, at Thanksgiving, right before we released the film. Unfortunately, we... We always talk about, you know, uh, we wish we had Frances at, at some of these screenings because right. she would love to be here and she would have been hilarious.
5: No.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I know you've screened this in a lot of places. What's it like screening it here at the Apollo? The Apollo is special. I mean, you know, one, the audience is special. Let me put it this way. We premiered the film at Sundance Film Festival, and it was great. I mean, you know, the, the audience was great. We got a standing <laughs> ovation. The audience was great. But the first time we, f- we screened the film with a largely black audience, we were like... <laughs> it's something else, you know. You can't get blacker than the Apollo. Yeah, we, we
3: screened it. We screened, yeah. yeah. We also screened it in South Africa. Right. And the reaction from the from the audiences in South Africa was amazing. Man, one night we did it in Soweto, mm. with a tent, with a guy with a laptop. <laughs> and wow. and the, no, seriously. And the musicians were in tears. I mean, the audience, the the entire audience was in tears.
1: Do you hear? Do you see, do you feel Miles' influence today when people take the stage with the trumpet, with the band, with the quintet, with the quartet? Angelisha, let me ask you.
6: Yes, definitely. I feel like Miles is one of the most influential mu- musicians out there. Like any trumpet player who's learned long tones and how to breathe, that's Miles. <laughs> that's part of, part of his influence there. But yeah, Keon is keeping that going on. Wallace Roney. You have other trumpet players out there that are that are definitely carrying the torch.
5: Kyo, Miles's influences touches everything. Miles ahead. Anything I hear that has some kind of innovation to it, I know Miles has influenced somebody in some way. Every day, and anytime I hear him, it's just like wow. Listening to this film backstage, you know, it's just like. Goodness gracious. All the trumpet players, Christian Scott, Maurice Brown, so many guys are just pushing, keeping it going. Mm -hmm. Stanley, I got to say, it was educational for me in a whole lot of ways. But one of the things early on in the
1: film that I thought was important is that we know these stories, these unlikable qualities we know about Miles Davis when it comes to the domestic violence and things like that. And I always wondered, okay, where did that come from? But you addressed that early on. Sometimes when these kinds of films and documentaries are made about the heroes we see in society. People tend to gloss over those things. You did not. Mm-hmm. You well, addressed it head on.
2: We had to address it head on. You know, some, a lot of these things are known about, about, about Miles. But for us, you know, I mean, we, we had to keep it in, in front of us that we're here because of the music. You know, that's why we're here. You know, we're, we're not making the film because of that. So it was, how do you get the balance right? Look, in some ways, Frances saved us because Frances is so wonderful in the film and she's so resilient that she really, really saved us. But when we first started talking about it, we said we want to make a film about M- Miles, warts and all because to me, you know, his music trumps everything. And so that's, that's the basis of, of the film.
1: Mm-hmm. And it raises the question, how do we view our icons when they have qualities or attributes that we, we don't admire, that we think are wrong, that we think are heinous oh, or whatever. I
4: well, I, I would think, first of all, ain't none of us walking on water.
5: Exactly. Nobody's
4: unless true. we know where the stones are hitting, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I go back to what my Brother Nelson said. Ain't nobody in here don't have warts. The thing is, what is your life contribution? What do you leave? I always believe you leave your bloodline, in your work. Now, along the way, we all stumble. Sometimes the stumble is not to fall, it's just to move forward faster. I, I don't care about all that stuff, man. And, and I think we get too bogged down with that and we don't acknowledge the greatness, especially among black people. Right. You know, well he did, he, he, he did heroin, I did a debate with one guy, it's on YouTube, the, the <laughs> guy that was on this thing, and he's talking about he was a heroin addict. I said, man, I'm not here to discuss that. What did he do? We're talking about Miles Davis. So he got high, so what? And,
3: and, and I addressed it in the film, only because of when I watched him do it, how it affected me personally as his nephew, as though I superhero, that's what I, what I refer to it as. And I wanna say that when we signed and, and, and gave Stanley our blessings, the family, we didn't know what he was gonna do, you know? We didn't, I couldn't go to Herbie's house or Quincy's house with Stanley, he said no. I'm going to go and you know, take my, my team and, and <laughs> interview. And then he put it all together. We didn't see anything. We didn't see dailies. We didn't see anything to the night before we were to go to to Sundance. And Stanley sent the link. Now, I live in California. Cheryl lives in Vegas. This is Miles' daughter. And, and Aaron lives in California. And I watched the link, and I cried. And I called Stanley. It was about 3 in the morning. <laughs> And, he, and I said, Stanley, man, I'm, yeah, right. I'm so emotional, man, it's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing. He said, man, I'm asleep,
2: I'll call you tomorrow. Click! <laughs> 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 well, I have to say that, that, that part of that was strategic. We did not send the film to them to, but until the day before we were going to Sundance. Because we were going to Sundance. Yeah, yeah. And we were going to go to Sundance. But, 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 and so but, if they didn't like it, we would deal with that after Sundance. Because we I got, were going to Sundance. I, you
3: know what? I I, I got to say this. The look in Stanley's eyes. This is true. This is, I'm not saying that because he's here. I could, I, we could feel it. It was like no nonsense. He said warts and all. He didn't even say it. But we knew that he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? He was going to come with it. Yeah. So we were excited to see the, the, the link and see the, the you know,
2: this is a film on Miles Davis. Yeah. Again, it was my honor, and I took it as that. I just want to tell, tell my little Miles Davis story. About 20 years ago, I made a film called The Black Press, Soldiers Without Swords, which was a big film for me. And the day we opened the edit room, I got the whole crew together, and we sat down, and I put on Flamingo Sketches, which is the, film, the song that ends the film. And I said, you know, I just want to, one day in my life, do something that beautiful. Mm. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do. Um, I'm still trying.
1: <laughs> I'm still trying. Vince, yeah. Vince, I'm curious. At the time, some of this was going on. Were there any members of the band who knew about it, relatives who knew about it, and anybody tried to intervene? Talk to Miles about it or anything like that? About what? About some of the uh, domestic violence yeah, and but I, things like that.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah but I, I don't, you know,
3: don't want to publicly I spend time on that. My mother would fly to New York and deal with it because my mother was Miles' right. sister. And my mother Uncle Miles was the my mother was the only one that can influence
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: Uncle Miles and she would fly to New York and take care of it, you know. But it, it's public record and and, right. and and it's 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 funny, it's not funny, but it's, it's ironic that all of the, the wives and the girlfriends, they all still love Miles. I was with Sicily two days ago, Cicely Tyson. She loved Miles, yeah. loves Miles, she has dreams about him. You know, so I'd rather focus on, Francis
2: loved Miles until she l- left this earth. Yeah, let me say, too, we, we didn't talk to one musician who who worked with Miles who didn't love Miles, who, di- who didn't love Miles, you know? Um, every Everybody just loved, lo- 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 loved Miles. Uh, Archie Shep, you know, who, who Miles, who, who Miles so you, you, you can't play with me. You know, his next sentence that we cut was, but I still love Miles, I still loved him.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the resilience that that right. that struck me as, like, as, right. wow.
5: My question is, what would the music be without those stories? What would the music be without you know those experiences? We'll never know. So,
6: no, well, I'll I'll answer the question by saying this. My grandfather once told me this. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. So, you know, he deals with, you know, he was a man. He was a human. He was on this earth. He had to deal with some of the same things that we have to deal with on this earth, and things happen. But just like Keon said, there's beauty that comes out of that There's wisdom that comes out of that. And that's what we heard coming through that trumpet on all this music. (laughs) Miles
1: performed here. Uh, It may have been the, the first time. Vince, correct me. Friday, March 13th, 1958 at the Apollo. What was it about New York that he he loved? That he found a home here? Well, well Tunes,
3: I mean, he, he used to love the energy. He would tell me about the energy of New York. He would fly to California, stay in Malibu for a few days, and he, but he'd always have to get back to New York because he, he loved the, the the energy. The the he said he he
4: listens to the subway and the trains and the, the honking of the horns. And, yeah, and 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 add to that. Again, here's another story to give you the, the, the mindset of a Miles Davis. I remember he called me one day he said, Look, Toons, can you come over? I'm going to take you to the basketball game. Uh, I mean, the, the Knicks had, you know, uh, Clive Frazier and everybody, you know. So I'm like, Oh, yeah, solid. I, I roll over. So we're sitting there you know, eating some popcorn or something, and I realized he's not looking at the game. And I'm like, I said, Miles, you're not looking at the game. He said, Man. I don't come here to look at the game. Dig this. I come to hear the sneakers, how they squeak on the floor. He said, I want you to learn how to play like that. Broken (laughs) rhythms. I'm telling you stories, okay? You'll remember that. I couldn't, it took me about three months to figure it out. I want you to play like that, broken rhythms. What did you think when he said that? I thought what I always thought. I was with a genius. That was just further confirmation of my suspicions. <laughs> we never, I'll leave it as that.
3: We never questioned him, right, Tim?
4: Never, we never man. questioned Because he never questioned you. Yeah. That's a great point. Anyone who played with Miles, Herbie pointed it out uh, when he said, I pay, I pay you to rehearse on stage every night. He meant that. He never wanted repetition. And he trusted that you would go as far as you could go. But he always knew when sometimes, look, sometimes we go so far out, you kind of get lost out there. And he come back and play, go and we go, oh, yeah. <laughs> we know what, it, that's a real, that's true
1: talk. Have you ever heard of a musician, any other musician who does that? Get on stage, play. I have confidence in you, you can play. Here's a live audience, Cisco. You ever go. heard of anybody else named Miles Davis? Right. No. <laughs> Stanley, what was it like? When you put all of this together, and you step back and you looked at this body of work. What was that like? What did
2: you say that you had there? It's a weird experience making a film because you literally make it in the dark. Nobody sees it. You're just working with a couple of people. You're, you're just, it's really intense. My greatest memory of this film, and I'm trying not to cry, is uh, when we finished, I showed it to, to my wife, Marcia Smith, and she had seen little scenes, but she hadn't seen the whole thing, and I showed her the film. And uh, I turned to look at her when it was over, and she was crying. And she said, you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was like, well, whoa. Well.
1: Well, you sure did. You know, you, you, you because have another it's hard to
2: say, like you just don't know, you know, what the reaction is until you see the film with an audience. And I, I should say real quick, this film has done really well. We were in theaters, and it did really well. And it did really well. We didn't have a lot of money. It did, it did really well because we asked people to tell other people. Good. So please, you know, pull out that phone and tell other people on February 25th, all over the country, this film will air on PBS. Let people know. We have a network. We talk about a lot of times what we don't have, but we, what we do have is each other. That's right. We have a network.
1: Please let people know. Yeah! Let's thank director Stanley Nelson and musicians Keon Harrell, Angelisha Trumpetress Rogers, Vince Wilburn, and James M. Toomey for joining us here at thank the you. Apollo. On behalf... of you all. On behalf of 13 NJTV News and WBGO, I'm Michael Hill. A pleasure being your moderator. Thank 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 you.
0: You've been listening to a panel discussion from New York's Apollo Theater on the American Masters documentary Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool. The film, produced and directed by Stanley Nelson and his Firelight Media Organization, makes its nationwide PBS debut on Tuesday evening, February 25th at 9 p.m. Special thanks to Mary Burke, director of WNET's public programs and community engagement for making our recording possible. Thanks also to our editor, Samantha Lobo, our audio engineer, Josh Broom, and our executive producer, Dana McBride. Thank you for listening, and join us again soon for another edition of WNET Up Next. We'd love you to share your questions and comments with us at upnext at WNET.org. And we hope you'll become a subscriber on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. WNET Up Next is a presentation of the Design and On-Air Promotion Department of WNET New York. I'm Tom Stewart.